Hi everyone, before the episode, just a quick note of apology. I think I screwed up my mic. Um, I'll be working on getting those settings right later, uh, but you might find my contributions to this episode a little annoying, and for that, I apologize. I mean, you know, a little annoying outside of the content, like the delivery, the, the I mean, the sound quality, not, you know, the rest of me is just going to be me, and no matter what I do to the mic, nothing will change, but um, I'm working on the technical aspects. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy. June 25th, 2000. Jim Carrey's character and me, myself, and Irene split from good to bad, much like the Farrelly Brothers movies after There's Something About Mary. ABC aired the final Kids Say the Darndest Things with Bill Cosby, meaning we never got to hear little Timmy say, I hope you want in prison. Nellie's country grammar taught us I before E except after mommy. Uh-oh. Meanwhile, in Boston, Massachusetts, Rikishi and Kurt Angle squared off in the finals of King of the Ring. Did it seem like I spent too much time on Massachusetts that time? Yeah, but I a little bit. But we got I've been ideas. stuck on the whole I've been stuck on, con- on country grammar for a sec, so. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Do I need to do that one again? No. No. Okay. It's true. I'm fat. I'm unemployed. Now get me another beer. This is Helena's cell phone. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And experiences all for the first time, Eric Silver. Oh, happy to be on the podcast with episodes. The length of the time it takes for your urine to start smelling like you ate asparagus. It kind of sounded like you started off there with a with a bit of a Boston accent. Happy to be on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> welcome to car talk in a cell phone. All right. Uh, but by, by the way, I have to say, um, I think you're more. I think you're talking about country spelling. I think country grammar would be like. The you know where the verb goes in in uh, in a Nelly sentence. I was very very proud of that joke. So fuck you, Eric. <laughs> do you get it? No, no, no. Your country syntax is off. Do you get the joke? What that 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 his uh, album was called Country Grammar. <laughs> there is you a song. Say, isn't that the? There is the song. Uh, I know that the song EI. Okay. On delay, on delay, mommy. EI, EI. Uh oh. I mean, I, I yeah, I know the song. I, I didn't know it was do. called EI. I don't think you do. I do know the song. I, I well, I remember the uh oh. Uh, when you say it, I remember it. Anyway, I guess you could say fine. he was a real country linguist. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, are, are you back? Yeah, are, are you finally watching uh, James Bond movies? Okay. <laughs> Also in music, around this time, we've got Fold Your Hands, Child, You Walk Like a Peasant, the Bad Bell and Sebastian album, uh, Rated R by Queens of the Stone Age, Crushed by Bon Jovi, The Moon in Antarctica by Modest Mouse, Quality Control by Jurassic 5, 
Notorious K.I.M. by Lil' Kim, and Double Wide by Uncle Cracker. Twists and turns there, my friend. Wow, some twists and turns. <laughs> and I think what I can say about this time period is I was like, you know, I wasn't listening to Bell and Sebastian in real time before this. This is probably just around the time that I was getting into Bell and Sebastian. So long after Tiger Milk and If You're Feeling Sinister, which are the two albums that I love the most still. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. the uh, I was but I think I remember being excited for this album in real time. And I remember like eating it like medicine and being like, nope, I love this band. Nope, I love this. I love this. Nope, I love this band. <laughs> And the Modest Mouse, like I would get into that album that came out in right this period, not for not for another like few years. I wouldn't get into what, what song was in freshman year of college. What songs were on this album? Oh, are you talking God. the are you talking the Modest Mouse one or Fold Your Hands? Modest Mouse, Modest Mouse, Modest oh, Mouse. Uh, I, I, the thing is, I listened to them all basically um, in like. I found this band late, so I was listening to like all this, all the albums all at once. It's the it's the car I, commercial song, the Ooh, gotta be Gravity right Rides now. Everything, yeah. um, uh, Alone Down There, Paper Thin Walls. That one I like a lot. I came as a rat. What's this? What's the song where it's like, Have I told you? Have I told you? You can really get it on. You can really get it on. That's what I. That's the first Modest Mouse song I ever got into in college so into it that you do you know that song <laughs> i don't know i'm not sure what you're talking about oh it's by nelly you fucking asshole <laughs> i think are you thinking of all night diner might be that sounds about right anyway so for somebody but yeah, but is... for somebody who, who built himself as a, a a kid rock affiliate how was uncle cracker this boring because as um and we'll probably talk about it later, but but this is is the American badass um, theme for the Undertaker. Though we're not going to hear that in the on the Peacock Network at all. Um, I went back and I had to like reevaluate some uh, Kid Rock songs. Ba wa da ba, I can still get down to, and and for some reason still, uh, what's what's the other one? Um, uh, only God knows why. Like still kind of no. resonates to me. Yep, yep. No, I don't yeah. know that song. No. Cowboy, no, but that one still. But I but, think the I think the song "Photograph" with Cheryl Crow was good. That's Uncle but, Cracker. We've been through this. I thought. No, no, that's no Kid Rock. that is that's not. Kid Rock. That's Kid Rock. Oh. Uncle, you Cracker. thought it was Uncle Cracker. No, that so was a cover. <laughs> we were talking about a cover. That was Uncle Cracker. Yeah, it was uh, "Drift Away." Yeah, oh, yeah, that was Uncle Cracker, oh, and and man. Uncle All Cracker also did did "Follow now. Me," oh. which is the most boring fucking song ever written. Don't even remember it. Uh, the only reason I know about Uncle Cracker from from uh, "Drift Away" is because whenever I want to sing "Drift Away" at karaoke, they only have the Uncle Cracker version. Sorry, that's canon now. <laughs> <laughs> Alter universe where everything's the same, but only that version of that song exists. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that horrible fucking Beatles movie, except just with Uncle Cracker. <laughs> it's the Mandela effect. I, I went like back in time. I, I, yeah, I stepped on a, I stepped on a, on a small dinosaur, and now Uncle Cracker did drift away, and that's it. Doby who? What's this? Movies at this time. Uh, behind number one, me, myself, and Irene. Number two was Chicken Run, 
And then further down there in several weeks into release, Gone in 60 Seconds, which I will still watch all of any time that it is on Saw TV. in the theater. Definitely. Definitely. Um, maybe multiple times. Also, Timely, which maybe not when this is released. I, I've lost track. But uh, that new Angelina Jolie movie comes out this weekend on HBO Max. And I was just telling Nathan that I think I want to watch it because the press I'm hearing is not that it's good. Um, but that it like harkens back to like those nineties Harrison Ford movies that they just kind of like don't make anymore. Mm -hmm. And I love those movies, like those like See, that I, genre. I, I thought it was about Barry Weiss because it's called those who wish me dead. Right. <laughs> I've seen your Twitter, sir. <laughs> I, I don't think that's coming out this weekend because I believe this weekend HBO is premiering spiral from the book of saw. No, are they doing? By both? the way, when, when did when did Saw when did Saw become gospel? I don't get this fucking shit. I watched yeah. every single Saw movie in, like a month ago, in a row. Um, I think it's so you you've seen Saw. You yes. sawed yourself, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. You see Saw. Yes. Uh, let me tell you guys, we live in a society. Oh no! Oh, did did it Jokerify you? Did I, it Jigsawify you? I mean, I think it's one of the the earliest Jokerified movies. It like I was trying, I was trying to think about this. I think Seven might be the first of those kind of movies. Mm. Um, but Seven, uh, yeah, Boondock it's, Saints, yeah. and Saw, I would Ooh. say, are are the proto Jokers. Listen. As someone who never ventured down the hallowed halls of Saw nor The Purge, went reading about it as an outsider who's plugged into pop culture and like reading an article about the cinematic Saw universe or the cinematic Purge universe, it sounds fucking insane. It and is. not like in a good way, but like in a this is so stupid. I can't believe a second person could explain this using English words and think that it's okay to share it and be like, yeah, this makes sense. Like, it and just it, seems so fucking dumb and crazy that I can't believe a single person pays for it. Well, I didn't pay extra for it. I paid pay for the streaming package. Um, no, 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 no. But I, I mean, like, but just like that some of the, like, that this, these movies are like a brand. Like, it just, it, mm -hmm. I think it's crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's, I, I, I don't, I, I so don't get it that it, it just, like, it, it boggles my mind. The the crazier well, I mean, one wait. the crazier one for me right I, now though is the Conjuring universe. Yes, that yes because the that Conjuring universe. The Conjuring universe is so Catholic. I feel like it's shaming me for masturbating. The Conjuring universe. <laughs> the, the Conjuring universe is the Avengers. If Thanos was the literal devil. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, from what I hear about that universe, I, I have some, like, degree of respect. I'm like, oh, it's for sure not for me, but, like, it's a thing, and I get that it's, like, a thing for someone for sure. But when you hear about, like, what the, per it's it's not just, like, the ham-handed, we live in a society-ness of it all, which also is crazy, but just how they've, like, uh, both sort of had this already super fucking uh, trying conceit, and then mm -hmm. they, like, warped and perverted it so many times that it no longer makes any sense it's almost like to bring it back to this podcast when we talked about the evolution of like the people's el like of actually you know what i mean like uh ultimate warrior sort of style stuff to the people's elbow to the worm and then to the caterpillar like by the end it's like unrecognizable what even uh -huh. we're talking about mm -hmm. and that's right. what i feel like it's gotten to that it just feels like nonsense you're like is oh anyone, yeah 
did someone like everyone? Oh. It, it feels like everyone did drugs and wrote these ideas down. But then, like, but someone should have by now been like, guys, this doesn't make any sense. Well, okay, hold on, hold on. So, okay, uh, there's a you guys dropped a lot. You you were bouncing back and forth. There's a, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> uh, um, okay, working with the Conjuring universe. The thing about the Conjuring universe I do not get is like there are many movies of completely different titles and it took me a long time to realize that they were all related it's mm-hmm. like there's the conjuring mm-hmm. there's annabelle mm-hmm. there's like a little boy is there a little boy there's the curse of la llorona there is the nun and i think that's it so far those are the like the four offshoots you I, you gotta give it to them just for the fact of like hey you know like we don't we don't need to like we, we can have enough uh uh, confidence in our product that we don't even need to follow a, a titling you know like yeah. we don't even need to make this the conjuring 11 mm-hmm. we'll just call it like whatever whatever this sidetrack is well no but that it's like literally it's it's the marvel cinematic universe you've you've got the the conjuring movies are the avengers movies it's it's a little skewed because it started off with the conjuring but if you follow that sure. like that's that's the main through line and then you get to see kind of like the 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 demons that are mentioned in the conjuring movies like like what their deal is but what is it all prequel stuff is it prequels it's sequels it's all over the place yeah i don't think it is comparable to avengers in that way because i feel like the thing with the avengers is like it i mean i get what you're saying but it is almost like an inside out version where it's like Mm -hmm. um avengers like it was the avengers were all about the build and we are lucky that all the movies individually are as good as they are Mm -hmm. but at its at its core, stepping back, the the Marvel Cinematic strategy was to bit with it as like it's building towards this, and you're getting you're investing everybody, and once you're on, you're like announcing every fucking movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and and so like, but these it seems my understanding is that it they don't you don't have like they're, they're like they're their own like tracks, they're almost mm-hmm. like their own arms that go out, and so you can kind of like jump in here, jump in there. It reminds me of I guess how I would schematically sort of like build. You know, when they talk about the classic sort of like Hollywood movie monsters, like the Frankenstein mm-hmm. Wolfman universe, like, yeah, they should do that for that, where it's not about them. It's not like Kong and Godzilla, where it's like, oh, actually, these are meant to come together. We know they're going to come together down the line. It's like, let them just like be their own thing that are like loosely connected by the same world rules. It, it's a little bit. It, I would say the Conjuring universe, the Conjuring is like the Mary Tyler Moore show. And out of out of that, you know, because <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore something show, from the past like fifty fucking years, please. The Mary Tyler Moore Show. You will be surprised. Fine, there Aaron, are so many. All in the family. <laughs> there are so there are so many shows that came out of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. They had they they had Rhoda. They had Lou Grant. They had Phyllis. Like they just went off in different directions with each character. I th- I I think this supports my theory. <laughs> yeah. But neither of these things. Uh, is now, tell me your feelings on Purge and Saw. Yes. Okay. Purge is good. Um, first off, Purge. Yeah, like, there I are think, actually okay, good Purge I think, movies. I, I I don't know. Like I I saw the first Purge. I don't know if I saw the second. Maybe uh, is this the first one is with Ethan Hawke, right? Now, now when you say the first Purge, you also have to realize that the fourth Purge movie is called the first. Is purge. the first Purge. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> see i'm not this is what i, mean. I saw purge i saw purge one uh which is with ethan hawk i believe mm-hmm. yes um and then i think i may have seen some of purge too what okay what I, what i think is sells about the purge is 
um the society it's it's a it's a society we live in a society uh-huh. but like but like okay i i don't know how you get so many uh movies out of it i guess like you can just keep talking about how society is fucked up i mean like i don't know it's that's it, what i mean they don't just, the cop no, that, but you're telling you're telling human stories within the context of this. Yeah. So, so really, you're just you're you're zooming in on different people's experiences of it, and then some of them, like um, election day, is you're the it's getting less from the everyman perspective and more of the the higher ups that kind of um, control the hand in this society that they've created. Right. It's a little bit like saying, like, well, why do you have to have, like, more than one Godzilla movie? We already know what it's like when Godzilla attacks. It's like, okay, well, everybody has a different sort of experience with Godzilla. Like, uh, you know, they they interact with it differently. So, yeah, well, so each Purge movie has a promise. And the promise is you will see uh, people being creepy and violent to their neighbors. And you'll see, like, things just switch and and all of a sudden like uh people who seem like very it's almost like um the serious a slightly serious version but still parody version of um uh, of uh what was it hot fuzz you know like how in hot fuzz Mm -hmm. they had like they had the the all the people from this cute town are like pulling out giant like machine guns and rocket launchers so it's a little bit of like it's got that vibe but in like a pseudo serious way even though i think the purge is meant to be sort of set satirical that movie is also um, over 10 years old but eric's getting closer and closer to today hot hot t- you mean hot fuzz or yeah. yeah no but um so but you know i think there is always the promise of you will you will see this thing this is the thing that everybody wa- watches a purge movie for and then you get to have a little bit like then they just tweak the they tweak the formula a little bit and they're like oh well you know what's the how are we going to play with you rather than it being like well each each purge movie there's going to be some uh some family that is you know just so super hapless and has to fight back there's going to be some tweaks to how they interact with the purge. Right. So I sort and of I guess, get that. And I guess what my problem is the tweaking. Like it's the tweak that my problem is, is the problem. <laughs> I think that it, it's almost like when we complain about Ink Master, like overcomplicating the formula. Like we could just watch Ink Master every season, and they can just do different challenges, and we're just entertained by the tattooing. Mm-hmm. But they do like mm. teams and masters. Then you come back, and then you get resurrected lounge, and then like all that. You're like what? And like it gets to the point where you're like, this is unrecognizable, and that's what I mean. I think like. They don't just like do a purge from a different perspective. It's like, and this time, instead of a murder purge, you're going to space or whatever. Like this time, it's like the purge never ends or like all of these. Th- it, it ca- they like add these different layers of complexity on that. I think because it, it sounds ridiculous. The, 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 wor- the worst by far was the purge live moss. That's what it reminds me of. That's what it reminds me of. Did you guys yeah. did you guys hear that in order to watch the next season of Ink Master, we have to subscribe to to uh, Paramount Plus? Oh yeah, my god, of course you anyway, do. Because their Drag Race uh, All Stars is gonna be on Paramount Plus and it's like, well that's oh, essentially damn. that's homophobic. That's a gay tax. It's like mm-hmm. I don't I think there's a class action suit <laughs> I need to join. 
But don't they also show it on like World of Wonder or do they not? No, bitch. I have to have fucking real ass TV to watch VH1 RuPaul's Drag Race uh, original recipe. Then I need to have World of Wonder to watch all the international ones, which is its own $4 a month bill. And then I have to get now Paramount Plus so I can watch All Stars. Bitch, RuPaul is not just like fracking the earth. She is fracking my wallet. That's yeah. Wow. We should we should purge RuPaul. Let's let's <laughs> we get twenty four hours to attack RuPaul in uh, in her. I just uh, I don't know multiple mansions now. I would rather just pay. You know, instead of paying each one of these four dollars, why can't I just pay RuPaul directly eight dollars and just have a RuPaul network? Because I don't need like the last twenty five seasons of The Big Bang Theory. You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> I don't I don't I don't need the rest of this. The last twenty five is really where it fell off too. I I might do something for Ink Master if if that was I'd be like fuck it now I gotta get this for Ink Master. (laughs) First of all, who are the judges? Who are the judges on it now? True. We shall see. We shall see. Last little bits from two thousand. Diablo two made its way to PCs. Anyone play? I I think so. I because that that was another one that was like Duke Nukem esque, right? No, I, that, I, was, uh, oh. that was a that was a hack and slash from Blizzard, the same people who would uh, later do World of Warcraft. No, but it, was it like a first no. person thing? Nope it was uh, okay, it was an no, overhead like with the mouse clicky clicky kind of thing. No, and I remember the box and... very vividly. Oh, sorry. What'd sorry. you say? I said I remember the box very vividly. Like I remember mm-hmm. a lot of people having it and like it being on display at like Barnes and Noble. Best sellers. Well, where else do you buy like computer games? You know, because they come in like the big staff toy, recommendations. Like, they were like in like cereal box sized boxes. You know yes. what I mean? And it had like a weird yep. like flip open cover, like an action figure. The whole thing mm-hmm. was so weird. PC packaging was always like, we're going to give you so much packaging, even though it's like one floppy disk. Yeah, or like a CD. And then it would be like a CD, like in a CD, like, you know, like a, not a jewel case, but like a hard plastic case, like inside of a, like harder, like a softer plastic, like foam uh, mold inside of a cardboard box. And you're like, yeah, with, with like, with like 40 square feet of cardboard surrounding it. Yeah, it was bizarre. They were like, I we used to, I don't know, I, I used to feel like CDs, I used to treat them like they were like truly made of like um, finely woven silks. Like they were just so <laughs> gentle. Like they might really disintegrate in my hands. And also Shaq and Kobe won the NBA championship in six games over the Pacers. Anybody watch? No. <laughs> I wasn't watching TV much because I was in... Um... I was in college at this point, and there was no TV in my room. This like, was June. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was. Let's see, June of night of two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the election. That was right before the election, right? Yeah. I think I was in Germany at this point. I think. Did I, I tell I- you about when I what, about when I, when I showed up to Germany? Um, they were like. When I first like I got to um, I, I was I was in uh, East Germany Leipzig, and when I got there, um, I was like seeing a lot Go, of going like, to college long enough ago that there was still East and West Germany. Well, the, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I had to tunnel under the wall. No, <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was. I mean, it, like when you go to when you go to the eastern part of Germany, like at least back then, it still felt like East Germany. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like cultural differences. It's really interesting. Uh, like they have their own like um, their own uh, 
tra- uh, traffic light signal walking men. They're like Ampel mention, and they're, I don't know, it's a thing in, in East Germany, but it wasn't a thing in West Germany as much. Um, so, and then, you know, they had their own like type of cola. It was weird. But uh, when I showed up to Leipzig, there were all these like goth looking people just sitting around the town. And like they were just like these like sulking like people like dressed up in in a gothic lifestyle as the uh, <laughs> they would <laughs> describe the brood, and I was just like, what is going on? Like, what is up with with East Germany? Like these guys. It turned out that they had all gone for like there was supposed to be some like goth convention, but the conventions um, uh, fu- uh, the the organizers took the money and ran with it. Like they they just they. Uh, they embezzled the money, and so all of these goth kids were just like stranded around, like sitting around town oh, for like no. the first couple of weeks I was there. And I was just like, "Oh, okay, like th- this isn't a normal thing. This is just like some goth kids got screwed over." But I would yeah, think that that tell? would be like, yeah, exactly. I would think that that would have been like the best experience for them because they had an excuse to be extra sad. Yeah, I was just saying, like, oh, no, the goth kids are going to be sad. It's like, oh, well, they were already sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, in, in goth world, like, that's the best. Yeah, it's, it's bizarro. Uh, yeah, it's bizarro. Yeah, the theory. theory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on Raw, in the lead-up, and probably on SmackDown, too, I don't know, I didn't watch it. I can't watch it. Fuck you, Peacock. Shawn Michaels is emotional over criticisms of his refereeing from Judgment Day. Godfather and D'Lo continue to have bad blood. Crash Holly enlists Samuel L. Jackson's shaft to help keep the Stooges at bay. And Stephanie is forced to put her women's championship title against Lita, but Kurt Angle Olympic slams Lita while Stephanie has the referee distracted with a fake leg injury. We'll be talking more about Lita and Stephanie on a future episode. But that brings us to June of 2000 and the King of the Ring tournament. Bobby, do you want to talk at all about how this King of the Ring was maybe different from some of the ones before it? No. (laughs) 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 This King of the Ring tournament had the largest field of any King of the Ring tournament. I did know there was like, I think there was like 31 or 32 matches. 32. Yeah, 32 participants. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 or whichever. One was compared to one. I did, so that I knew, that 30 season, I guess I I should have realized that was, like, bigger than normal, that I just, like, went on with, like, lots of rounds before that. Because I did know that, but I guess I just didn't realize it was the longest. Great, already off to a great start. (laughs) I'm king of this podcast, thank you. And and also, something amazing that they did with this king of the ring tournament the winner of the king of the ring tournament is promised the, um, a title shot at SummerSlam. Which, I mean, fuck yeah, hell yeah, put those those stakes, put those stipulations on there. Have more of these things matter in some way, shape, or form. Um, you get a scepter, you get a crown, you get a, <laughs> you get a, a robe. Yeah, and we saw a bunch of those uh, old King of the Ring winners on the opening, and real fucking ballsy to put o- uh, Owen into the opening montage. Also, though, yeah, that right? montage, you know, when you see that meme online and it's like a Brady Bunch sort of like three by three squares with different people. And it's like, thanks, moms everywhere. You, 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 not you, you, you. <laughs> and that's what it felt like when they like flashed for two seconds. Badass Billy Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't 
see him at all. Like, <laughs> all of these excellent King of the Rings, like Brett the Hitman Hart. Owen Hart. Bad the gun. And then they moved on like, really quickly. I was like, wait, what? Like, Ken Shamrock got more screen time. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. They were like, uh, like, one of these men is on the edge of super stardom. And I was like, I don't even recognize one of these men. It turned out it was Bo Buchanan. <laughs> but... Again, not you. Like, it also felt like that, right? Like, <laughs> Chris Jericho. I was like, when did, Kishi, who's, a, who's this blonde guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and TBD. <laughs> and then partly you... through, it switches gears to talk about the main event, the difference between genius and insanity, allies and enemies, victory and defeat. We live in a society and not a society. <laughs> Um, yeah, vulnerable champion for better or worse. I'm like, well, okay, uh, genius insanity, allies, enemies, victory, defeat. I'm like, if this, like, the um, the, the WWE SATs are really hard to get a, a good score on. <laughs> like, I don't know how all these things work. And that's when they bust out the, the CGI swords with the ting, 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 ting. <laughs> I like that they're like, yeah, yeah the, the sword is swatting away plaques. That's cool. Uh and and but then it cuts to the set and at first I'm like, wow, that set looks really awesome. But by the end of the night I'm like, wow, that set looks like dog shit. Yeah, I'm with you. But a hell of a start to this. The first match being Rikishi versus Chris Benoit. And these guys have had a bunch of good matches um, on the way up here. Uh, Benoit had a really good build. Um, 5-22, May 22nd, again, with a returning Val Venus, who we'll talk about soon. And then an intercontinental title match on June 12th against Matt Hardy. That was great. But uh, I was very shocked to see the title around Rikishi's waist because they seem to love to just kind of slip things in on the Thursday before. You know what? Uh, watching this, my big takeaway in a lot of this was I don't have a lot to say, but I was like very I enjoyed a lot of the wrestling, which mm-hmm. is often yeah. not the case for things we're watching around this time period. And it really like uh, made it clear just how fucking stacked this roster is. Like the mid card is so good. Like basically this whole tournament i mean you got rikishi you have val venus mm-hmm. and and even though val venus isn't laying the world on fire this character work like he's really good in the ring mm-hmm. you've got uh kurt angle uh jericho all of the radicals guerrero i mean like you've got china in the mix then you've got the entire tag team division with dx and too cool and the dudleys like it is just like it, it every single match i was like oh i i'm not like even the ones that i probably were dreading and obviously there were a couple in here uh, mm-hmm. But there's just like a lot going on um, that it seemed like everything, the mid card stuff all felt super strong. I uh, I will say there were like, I mean, think about the other pay-per-views we saw. Like there were no Midian matches. Exactly. There were no uh, Viscera matches. Like they, yeah, like the worst you can say it got is like Bull Buchanan and, and fucking like, no, there wasn't even a big boss man. Yeah. That's great. Well, yeah, there is I, one one thing worse than that that we'll get to soon. Yeah, I mean, everyone's yes, going to have its, 
its thing, but at least the wrestling was good, and it didn't feel like we were watching jobbers. And even when we watched mm-hmm. some of the, the the jabronis, like Crash Holly and, and Bull Buchanan, they kept it short, they kept it moving, and they kept things kind of, like, spirited. And I think, like, the, the match lengths were really... I, I think the pay-per-view was really well-paced, considering how many matches individually were on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't... I don't want to say this in a body negative way. It's literally just an observation, but I it looked like Rikishi could have been an exo suit for Chris Benoit. Like just looking at the two of them together, mm-hmm. like the 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 ratio was like crazy to me. I feel like cuz I'm trying to think of like I think the other times I've seen Rikishi, he's been with like taller dudes, bigger dudes. So seeing him with like kind of like Chris Benoit, who's extremely like um, he's efficiently built, I would say. I was like, oh, wow. Like Chris Benoit looks like he could like at some point, I I just imagine like 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 a manga, you know, like Rikishi's just like flesh opens up and Chris Benoit steps in and like starts battling. I believe they were actually talking about Rakishi, as JR said (laughs) multiple times that night. Uh, yeah. Well, it was at one point Rocky Ishii, I feel like. So it, I think it JR was. Made, They've been saying it. Keep in mind, Jarek still doesn't know Matt Hardy's name. So I mean, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? He doesn't know a name of this guy. I, I also thought that, um, like, you know, uh, personal issues with him aside, this built up Chris Benoit really, really well. Like, um, you know, they basically, they, I don't know that like for me, this match started establishing him. He always, he like, he, he started off as kind of like the machine and like, mm-hmm. you know, this unstoppable force, but, uh, this match, uh, obviously since I haven't been seeing any of the raws or smackdowns in between gave him that extra tinge of being like, what did they call him? The, the, the rabbit Wolverine, Wolverine. rabbit Wolverine. Right. So like, He's starting to get that whole, like, now he's, like, uh, you know, vicious as well. And uh, I think it worked. Yeah, totally. That um, that fucking suplex that he put on Rikishi threw him across the way. And then, so the match ends. Um, Rikishi refuses to tap, so eventually Benoit just comes in the chair, beats the shit out of him. I agree with you, Eric. I love the booking. I hate the optics as far as a, a 2021 eye, but I think that it's a really smart way to advance Rikishi in here. But Benoit loses, actually gains in defeat. Yeah, they've they've been they've been getting that down really really well. Actually, the last couple of pay per views, I would say, like there's been a lot of of people who um, do better in defeat than they might even have done if they had won. Yeah, some good booking. Following this match, we learn that Linda is here to confront Vince. Uh, Wait, Linda? Linda, my wife? (laughs) But don't worry, because Vince promises that he is Joe Cool, which is something no cool person has ever said in their life. Well, they sure say it a lot, though. I, so um, what happened here? Did someone think it was funny? Did they think, like, I or they were like, 
that was the point was to be like what a square he is so afterwards triple h would be like hey joe slow down or whatever because he's the real <laughs> cool guy or like what the fuck is going on in this like what well, like obviously it's bad and it just feels like ai or aliens like doing what they think humans <laughs> would do we, like, we, have fed a, we have fed a computer 200 yeah. hours of vince mcmahon <laughs> Oh my god! I just realized. You know what? You know what this, this, these segments have been like. You you know, um, there's that like that that woman, uh, Angel Mommy, on like I want to say like TikTok or something. E I E I. She's <laughs> shut up. Uh, you know, she's like the one. She's like she's blonde and she's got a really like she has a very weird delivery and she's got a very like uh, strong accent. And it's like she, it's like her and her husband. They're like, "I'm going to the five below." You know what I'm talking about? No idea. Nope. Sorry. I, I'm pretty sure it's Angel Mommy, like M A M I. Sounds like an anyway contestant. Look at all these hats. Cool. Oh my God, Nintendo. Flash. You know we didn't come here for hats, right? Oh, look at these hats. Yeah, you're right. Give it to me. Like, what are you thinking? Not sharing with your mom. Oh my gosh, it looks so much better on me. Why'd you do that? Why couldn't you just grab the other flesh? Oh, I mean, I guess I could have, but I thought his looked way better. But it's the same hat. Oh. It's a little bit like like her like her delivery is like like are you like it's like um it's so arch that at first you're like wow she's a terrible actress and then you're like wait a minute she's perfect you know what I mean? She's saying Vince is perfect. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's got that same uh like uh just like being so unreal and makes no sense and then but like you kind of can't stop watching it a little bit. Yeah, Angel Mommy. It's a uh, Angel M A M I I five. <laughs> I don't know. You have to see her. It's crazy. I will check everything it out. she does is insane. Um, the other thing I want to say is I thought it was very funny when uh, Vince is like Linda, my wife, mm-hmm. and then as they're saying yeah, like Linda, Steph goes yeah, mom, <laughs> like. <laughs> I just want Vince to She's be like, like, I need to help out. Do you just want Vince to be like, but my mother is dead. And it's like, no, 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 my mom. <laughs> Who? It's like you going around like that. Mom's yeah, here. True. No, my mom's dead. <laughs> Linda's here. They're tr- they were like acting out what it's going to be like when Vince is sundowning. Like, yeah. wait, mom. Your mom. Uh, anybody have anything to say about the uh, the post match interview with Benoit, other than it being very rough to watch? Yeah, I mean, I look. I'm gonna. I'll, uh, here's the thing: he didn't do what he did until later, so I'm gonna judge it on 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 its merits now. I thought from what it was, it was a good justification, mm-hmm. right? Like he he explained very like. I don't. Uh, he he's not charismatic on the mic exactly, uh, but he did a good job of kind of being like, "This is why I. This is why I did what I did. This is why like I, you know, went crazy on him. You you're seeing a new you know, 
you're seeing a, a, a new side of Chris Benoit. So I'm like, okay, did what it, did what he had to do there, not in general. I, there's just I know like everything you say <laughs> has like a double meaning, and it was it's just it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. Well, let's go to the next match then. We've got Eddie Guerrero versus Val Venus. Again, Eddie had a fantastic match against Kurt Angle on March tw- or sorry, May 29th. Um, and Eddie himself had to go through China in the round before this in order to get here. Oh, I'm glad China's wrestling because honestly, it, I was thinking about uh, like the last couple times I've seen China. You know, she's just been a valet, and uh, and Bobby was like, you know, Bobby's been like, oh, this is like some of peak China, and I was like, yeah, I mean, from a character perspective, it's been very peak China, but I haven't like. It feels like she's taken a back seat on the actual wrestling, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing necessarily, but um, it's a different thing. And so hearing that she actually did wrestle him is interesting. Yeah, I feel like she's wrestling less frequently in this period, but I think still making very sporadic appearances. I'm also not sure when Trish attached herself to Val, but I like it and I get it. Yeah, it makes sense. I was listening to, you know, we're trying to get some background on this pay-per-view, and there's not much. That's, like, I found it interesting that there's, like, not a ton out there. That's why you're like, what is this historic for? It's like, I don't fucking know. Um, but one of the things they were saying is that this pairing, honestly, was to get more... Trish got more out of it than Val did, they thought. Like, in his in Pritchard's, at least, assessment, that he thought Val added legitimacy to, to Trish, where she was, like, knocking around with Tess and Albert, who aren't exactly fucking superstars. <laughs> um... But anyway, yeah, I actually thought one of my takeaways from this was watching Trish be out there for three matches um, and for being now understanding like when I was watching this in real time, I had no idea how the business worked at all. And again, to be clear, dear listener, I still don't know, but uh, (laughs) I really had no idea how it worked at all behind the scenes when I was like watching it in real time. And I remember, I guess I just wouldn't appreciate like just how new she is. And also, like, what a natural sort of, like, presence she has. Um, And also how willing she is to do what looks to be quite dangerous and painful things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um, I have a question about Val. Uh, He's keeping the, like, the, the music, but he seems to have basically dropped everything else, right? Yeah, he's in a bit of a transition at this point, and um, he is ripe for a gimmick change that's going to be coming shortly. Okay. And some really good moves in here when um, when Eddie is riding Val like a surfboard and like manipulating him and all that. Very, very, very cool to watch. Yeah, I love all that. I, I think Val is an under like an underappreciated worker. I think so too. Um, I mean, I, I think anyone who who watches wrestling and at this time and like un, and and knows it appreciated it. Like, I think he has like a reputation. He was like solid in the ring and just that like the gimmick just had a ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, that like it's hard to be a main eventer with that gimmick. Uh, but he I mean he's had he's had some picked up some singles belts and and he's had a good run. But I feel like I I always enjoy his matches. Mm-hmm. And like seeing, appreciating him, like seeing him in a sprint with D'Lo Brown or something like that have been like little highlights along the way when we've had some real slogs to get through. 
Um, I want to say that uh, I I thought Eddie Guerrero's submission move really looked like it hurt. Like, uh, I don't know. So sometimes the submission move just is like, why don't just just bend your arm the different way? Um, but I, I forget what the submission move he had Val in. I think maybe he like I think it was probably is that the riding him like a surfboard type of thing that yeah, you're talking exactly. about? Yeah, he had him in like that. Like it's basically like if you ask a friend to like crack your back or something. <laughs> yeah, all the friends like, been asking you to do that, Eric. That's that's not how you're supposed to do it. Well, <laughs> it's another <laughs> friend in the wheelchair for me. <laughs> so in the end, here we've got um, Mamacita and Trish involved, and uh, Fisherman Suplex, and a win for Val Venus. I got a little worked about it. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I love I love Eddie Guerrero. I wanted to see him win, and he looks so handsome with his new haircut. I like the haircut a lot, uh, as you know. Yeah, same. But I, you know, what I like about this too is that the the women got involved on the outside, but that wasn't that wasn't the deciding factor in the match. Like that wasn't mm-hmm. the spot. It ended with like wrestling, which I thought yeah. was good. It was like a Fisherman Suplex is like that's a pretty like nice technical like um a real like wrestling move that like uh is a joy to see um and so that it was like a fitting end to it like what was a pretty like good back and forth contest with the two of them and then following this match pat patterson is going evening gown shopping with winona judd no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not but it does look very much like her <laughs> I was just like, who is this person? I don't even know what's happening. Why is he doing this? Why are they doing this? Can someone Honestly, and then I got the package. I kind of loved it. Can someone explain Michael Jackson's miniskirt to me? Nope. Well, <laughs> oh no, wait, because it, it looked like his it looked like his thriller, thriller jacket. jacket. Did it? Okay. Yeah, it was, it was red, like red, it was like red, red leather, red leather, yellow leather. I thought he just saw a thing and just like like two words just collided in his brain and came out of his mouth. I don't know. No, man. it made sense. I got. I really want to watch the that early WWE reality show where he came out like on the show mm-hmm. because there's just something about watching him with that knowledge of like here is this like gay but so weird and old and like kind of a carny and like just the straight and like having so much fun. And like, I didn't find it homophobic, but I thought actually with the knowledge, like the queering of this scene, if I was going to write like a fucking master's thesis on this, like the queer interpretation of this, and like him being able to like be this kind of campy with the dressing and like, there's no, and it's all a wink to the audience. Cause like kids watching at home, don't like Pat Patterson being gay is not something that's like talked about outwardly at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all very wink and under so like just for the scene to exist as casually that it does and it doesn't have a punchline or tell a joke um i just thought found it actually kind of endearing like strangely endearing and being like here is this like old weird gay who has like almost like this like john waters thing to him you know what i mean of like appreciating this art and culture trash that like he's i don't know i just there there's just something about this that i thought like resonated at a very weird and uh unexpected level um okay but okay wait (laughs) but okay yes we know he's gay but like we didn't know let's say they didn't know he was gay at the or people didn't know he was gay at the time right right so 
do you not do you not think that there's some some supposed to be uh, okay maybe it's just so clown it's, type the, stuff but this particular just this segment because yes the, it's like quote-unquote humiliating to be dressed like a woman and that's super problematic and misogynist and also has like which, right and, and all homophobia is rooted in misogyny uh but this scene though without that knowledge is just him mad about what he's wearing and wanting to look good and there's no joke that's just it He's just backstage and he legitimately wants to find a dress that lo- flatters his body. That's the whole segment. And I find that okay. very, like, there wasn't, there was no, there was nothing in the back end that, that got it. And that it was actually that Briscoe doesn't look pretty. And I think that's actually very funny. And this whole thing I thought was, like, actually not played for for that. It was that this whole segment, it, without that also he's gay, is just that Patterson, he's just looking for a dress. He's not mad about having to wear it. He doesn't think it's emasculating. He wants to make sure he looks good. I think that's funny. He just has to look okay, yeah, because Yeah! The, the, yeah, oh, by a long shot. But, uh, and they, they did, they did go the different route with Briscoe, right? Where they had the whole they had the whole, like, um, you know, punchline, like, something about, like, what kind of man do you think I am? And then they're like, we've got your dress, and do you yeah. want the crotchless panties? That was... That was... Stupid. That was, uh, yeah, that one was straight across the plate. Yes. That's, a, that's a baseball. That's why, though, I <laughs> thought spotty. this one, by contrast, was so kind of, like, a weird little delight. Like, oh, that, like almost like a weird secret thing, because it just... I don't know if you know if you don't know you st- it, it's almost weirder because then it's like what's the <laughs> I don't know I loved it I just loved it I thought that was uh for how dumb this whole thing is I didn't expect to find anything here to enjoy yeah. hey um, Bobby if yeah, you could uh, wring any joy out of this storyline then exactly. more power to you yeah right I, I really I thought because like just hearing about it I was like oh and reading about it online like you know in some of the recaps and stuff and being like oh boy that's really gonna be everyone's like what a what a fucking pile and it and it, I mean and it was so that's so to find that was actually I thought very uh of a surprise and also the fact they both were like full beats of makeup i also really enjoy it because they didn't even just do like sloppy diy drag like a makeup artist for the wrestlers definitely put makeup on them and i also found that very <laughs> tearing it felt like so a it's, it's, it's more kind of challenge. like filling in the blanks kind of is where like it's the, it's the notes they didn't play yeah they, they, they were just this this was bad irredeemably mm-hmm. bad overall a hundred percent but there were parts of it that they went and put a weird amount of effort into things that they didn't have to at all, even though, which didn't redeem the overall experience. But, uh, I don't know, I guess just, uh, st- almost stood out more by contrast. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you like, the the, what is it? The, um, the art design, not necessarily the, <laughs> yeah. the, the movie. <laughs> yeah. I thought I, I, there was, uh, it's Batman returns. Uh, this was, uh, I thought I, I could, this could have been a lot worse. Right. Well, we'll get to the worse as we go mm-hmm. on. Uh, but the next match we've got Crash Holly versus Bull Buchanan, which again, it, it was short enough that I can enjoy and really Crash's story throughout the night is a lot of fun from this guy who really feels like he shouldn't be here. We all feel like he shouldn't be here. And, and just being able to root for a true underdog within this contest. Yeah. I mean, everyone hates Bull. Like, I think I think Bull Buchanan might hate himself a little bit. Like, I don't know what he sees Bull in the mirror. Bull he gave himself all. that haircut, so. <laughs> I love Crash Holly's mannerisms. He like never drops the shtick. Like, he's constantly. Mm-hmm. 
has the puffed up chest and like the chin out. And I just, I, I, got, I really appreciate that from him as a performer. Uh, he plays that to the hill and he never drops the, the, the sort of affectations. And he's pretty good in the ring. I mean, he's a little mm-hmm. quick and, you know, but he's good at what he does. He reminds me of like Wrestler Flea. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Right? I don't have a lot to say about this match, though. No. Nope, we can move on. Nope. Backstage. Oh, well, here's what I want to move on to. Adore uh, slams. No, before this, before okay. backstage. What? So we're past the quarterfinals, right? Why would they change the font for the semifinals? <laughs> It's so weird. They, the plaques are the same size, but they're like, nope, nope. We need the uh, we need the letters to be bigger, and it's weird because they keep going back and forth with the different fonts. Like they show the fonts the way that they look, and then when they show who wins, they go into the like it, it goes into normal font, and then when they show it in the in the total bracket, it goes into weirdo font. I hate it. Didn't notice, and we do have one more quarterfinal match. Well, that, this is what I was thinking. Anyway, go on. <laughs> uh, backstage, door slams. We've got Linda McMahon. What do we have here? Is this the same Linda McMahon? Blah, 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 blah. Which Vince is sundowning. He has trouble recognizing his wife. Do Linda and Vince live together? <laughs> like, <laughs> like do, they, do they save all of their conversations for backstage at wrestling events? That's yeah, I, I was, I was, I was, I was thinking about that actually in the in the last bit because I was like, man, this entire fucking family is on the screen together. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is left for like when they all when the sh- when the lights go out? Do they just all go home and just sit around quietly and just like, no, we don't we don't need to talk. Talking's for uh, for on camera. Then the final match of the quarterfinals, we've got Kurt Angle versus Chris Jericho probably the best match out of the quarterfinals until shit goes down. I do want to say that uh, did it, it sounded like Jericho early on threw in a jerky boys reference. What did he say? Did he say, did he call him? He said something like jerky at like in, uh, when he was doing his whole Kirk angel thing. At one point he said something like he called a guy jerky and he kind of, it sounded like, like from the jerky boys, I hope like so, the way that they would say it. I would listen to Chris Jericho's compilation of prank phone calls a hundred percent. No, all the Seinfeld references. <laughs> hey, um, this is I, this is Art Vandalay. No soup for you, tell you, man. That first book, there's so many. That I, at one point, I found two on one page. I was like, "Yo, <laughs> um, spread them out, sir." Uh, I think the gay in people's names wrong thing is so unbelievably funny and not like it's a simple shtick, but for some reason he has like a savant ability to pick the most humiliating variation of the name that like it really just sucks all the piss out of someone. It is it is he's lethal. It's like being an assassin. You you know what it feels like to me? It's this is gonna sound maybe a little um, I don't know esoteric or or, or uh, just like highly specific in what I'm relating it to. It reminds podcast. me of Red Skeleton's Ovaltine <laughs> Hour. Right. Uh, no, I was gonna say it just it just it feels like one of the most Canadian possible things that 
that Chris Jericho can do to be like uh, extreme, like in a way of like being like extremely cocky and also getting a guy's name wrong. Like I know he's all like you know like almost in the sense where it's like he's not necessarily even doing it on purpose. But like just being like 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 just not able to even get the name right and be in his cockiness. I don't know if that's like me putting a lot onto it, but like that to, that's one of the that's one of the parts that I enjoy the most. Like I enjoy thinking of him as not necessarily screwing their name up on purpose, but just yeah. like that's just what he hears. Well, I think right. I think well, it's a a marriage, but like a perfect marriage between the two. That yeah, it, it could be that he he's so cocky he doesn't know the name or it could be that he's taking the piss out of it and i think that's to bobby's point that's what makes it so like laser focused it's that that, yeah that perfect marriage between that because i I 100 agree that it does feel like that is the bit the bit is that he that this person's so like unimportant and unimpressive he doesn't remember his name but the names he he but then chris jericho the writer like not the character in in the back like actually writes the names well yeah yeah the one he picks is the one that like flies that sound because it it, they all sound off the top of the head so like they don't they're not too cutesy and perfect but at the same time they're always so emasculating kirk angel i mean it's so good it really is good that's do you think he could do undertaker he couldn't do undertaker could he I mean, he's got to at some point do American Badass in some way. I'm sure there's some, some, oh, okay. some cutting thing he'll do. I'm not American remembering something specifically. Ass. Yeah, I'm sure he has yeah. something bald ass. I'm sure he'll think of something. So partway through, Stephanie McMahon comes down to the ring, uh, distracts the ref at a point where Kurt Angle is in the walls of Jericho and winds up tapping out. Chris Jericho's response to this is to kiss Stephanie McMahon forcibly on the mouth. I hate that. Terrible. Terrible. Why? Why do we even need this? And so almost in a morality play kind of way, then he winds up eating an Olympic slam and getting pinned. And I'm very, very happy that the heel goes over the face or whatever the dichotomy is in this match. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, but it, like it's it's almost like not a morality play. like uh, you know uh it's almost like it was he was punished for uh his his hubris of not being focused on Kirk Ang- on Kirk Angel. Uh but not because he had done anything to like there's nothing viol- you know violating in what he did to Steph, right? Mm-hmm. In in that world. Right, it was come up and she's a Jezebel or whatever. Ugh. Right, she she served her purpose. So after this match, we've got Shane yelling at Vince backstage, and then we go to everyone's favorite site-based entertainment complex, WWF New York. <laughs> can I can I can I just interject Please. for a second? Because I, I am so I was so excited for the, the for WW the WWF restaurant or site-based entertainment complex, but. Um, there, there's just like a, a real throwaway line that Vince has that got me thinking, got me in a real spiral. Uh, he goes, Rock, Undertaker, and Kane couldn't all lunch together. And I feel like that would be hard for them, but like not impossible. Like, first of all, as, as is established later, Kane talks now. 
So yeah. <laughs> I feel like they they can at least get everybody's order. And then I was like, what would each person order for lunch? <laughs> like I feel like I feel like Kane would get like the buffalo chicken sub. Uh, I think Undertaker would get would get carbonara because it's rest in peas. And I don't know what I uh, I, I blanked out on what Rock would get. So you guys can fill in one of those. <laughs> You know, that way, reminds I want to me smell of, what he's cooking. You know what I'm going to reference Ooh. now? One of my favorite references, which is that first Wives Club scene, which I'm sure I've talked about in this podcast before. So I am. I don't think not so. Going to be. One of my You've favorite... talked about First Wives Club, but I don't know. I don't what, know which scene you're talking how this about. Fits in. One of my favorite um, scenes in any film ever. Uh, oh, is... I'll have what she's having. Well, that's also very good. But that, no, but I'm doing. <laughs> in First Wives Club, very early in the film, they go out for a for after the funeral that they're at and they make, they place their orders and they get a uh, bloody Mary. Uh, it was what Ben Medler's character gets a Virgin Mary is what, uh, Oh my God. Uh, Diane Keaton gets. And then Vaca rocks is what Goldie Hawn gets. And it's such like a perfect, it happens real quick. They just go bloody Mary, Virgin Mary, Vaca rocks and their drink order though, for each of them tells you exactly what you need to know about each one of their characters you know what i mean like it gives you so much information in that choice because mm-hmm. diane keen's like the uptight like virginal you know sort of like goody goody goldie hawn is like the drunk mess so you kind of like get that that that, that the the uh binary there like between them where they're all at on this like access which okay. i really like and that's what reminds me with this like what would they order at lunch well obviously kane we get you know what i mean um <laughs> can we get oven browns or whatever can we get the souls of infants <laughs> But with a side salad, he's <laughs> yeah, trying to he's trying sure. to stay lean. Kane's looking good in these days, and especially this part that we're watching. This is like I was like, is Kane sexy? Like, it's very... Definitely Maybe... getting closer and closer to not having a burned body. I will say that. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I guess like he's been putting on a lot of cocoa butter. Like I don't know like what happened to like heal all that <laughs> scar tissue, but that little mesh window is giving me like a peek. Look, it looks like we're doing good under there. Scar tissue that I wish you saw. That's that's my uh, that's my Aaron ism. Can we please get to to make an ivory? Yes. The- now we can do it. Oh Let's do WWF. God. I'm so excited for it. I mean, also if we get to it, will we hear the mics? Because I don't I don't know. They have a lot of sound trouble there. No well, idea. Yeah, are- no idea what Mick is saying through most of this because people are just like screaming like fucking monsters during it. Well, Mick has no idea what Ivory is saying. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or he does or is it his bad ear that she's yelling into because keep in mind he has he's missing an ear <laughs> so is he is that uh, what's going on mick mick hey mick mick hey, mick. hey, you a beer, hey mick. mick i got you a beer hey there's a beer hey come on for mick got a beer for mick mick look at me please love me love me just literally that what gets me though, at one point she's physically hitting his arm like, hey, hey. And so at that point, he's making a choice. You know what I mean? Like, he is choosing not to engage everything. She is literally like pouring sloshing beer on him, and he's like not acknowledging her, like, what was happening here? Can I can I say, by the way, that Ivory looks amazingly at home behind the bar? Oh, but like, if you know what I mean? Like, doesn't didn't something just click and I was like, oh my god, that's what she looks like. She looks like 
she looks like the bartender that you just are like, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, there she is. Like, you know, just she's like, you know, kind of hot shit of, of her uh, in her uh, in her um, shift. Exactly. But, you know. I'm not. Look, I, I this is not a commentary on her looks or her body or anything, because I think she I think she looks beautiful and amazing. I'm talking mm-hmm. about attitude here, but she's yes. giving me the attitude of the hottest bartender in a suburban bar. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you know, yes, yes, like in a, yes. In a, it's not a chain, but she's wearing a lot of flair anyway, like taking your order, not really caring. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she has a definitely a tattoo behind her ear and she's like dying. Her next cigarette break is five minutes ago. Yeah, she's a, she's like a rock star with the regulars. They all flirt with her. Yeah, and she looks, I mean, and, and they're obsessed because she is like the hottest person in town. Yes, yes. Meanwhile, later on in the night, Pat Patterson has the look of the bartender who's been working there like a little too long, but doesn't have anything else that she can do. I've seen that bartender at Key West. Uh, I think just, I think it actually might have been. <laughs> Following this, Edge and Christian come out with their new pose, the Bill Buckner, which... I mean, if you're in Boston, you're going to be trolling Boston sports. That's that's the way you get heat there. Uh, I, you know, I'm a Met fan. I always love a good Buckner reference. Uh, Bobby, do you know anything about this? Nope. Do you care? That's nope. Okay. Yeah, figured. And in this uh, four-way elimination match, we also have TNA, the Hardys with Lita. Hey! And the tag team champions, Too Cool, who are the tag team champions because on May 29th, Joe C., the little person from Kid Rock's entourage, hit either Edge or Christian in the dick, allowing them to get the pin. Wait, I thought Joe C. is Joe Cool. That's Vince McMahon. (laughs) While I don't have much in this pay-per-view, I do have a story about Joe C., Mm -hmm. which famously... Josie's backstage, and and Eric, do you remember who Josie is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The the yeah, he was a uh, little person among Kid Rock's entourage, uh, and he was backstage. Didn't he like pass away? Yes, he did. He definitely he, like yeah, he very. Had, like, a, a d- he had disorder. to take something like sixty five pills a day. He he died this same year, like just a few months after this. But yeah. he was obviously very short but he also had like a and he was young um so the rock is backstage and bumps into him doesn't know who he is and the rock thinks he's like a make-a-wish kid and he's like hey little buddy like what's going on like how you do it and josie's like hey man it's fucking great man i'm fucking blowing all these fucking blah, blah, blah. like oh just like oh. the rock was like wow kid you got quite a mouth on you like had no idea like even after that point it was which i think is so fucking funny that's like a man show bit yeah. So, oh wow. But it really happened. The rock just mm-hmm. thought he was like a, a kid. Like, hey, little boy, let's go. He's like, yeah, man, I'm fucking all these girls, and I'm fucking all these hoes out here. We're out this motherfucker. I'm like, all this stuff. <laughs> it's like, damn, I get. I guess you got your wish. That thing is pretty funny. Yeah, I, that was like yeah. a, a little piece of trivia that I was like, yeah, I could see that happening. Did he have like progeria or something as well? I'm not sure exactly. That? Maybe not. Anyway, good match though. Uh, I thought it was a very good match, actually. Man, I fucking love Lita. Man, I fucking Mm -hmm. love Lita. Just fucking love it. Like, so cool. Obviously, like, again, uh, young gay boy, always picking the female fighter in the fighting game. Like, always, like, wanting to see that happen. And having, like, such shitty 
women's matches for so long for a while now. And then here comes Lita, who's so fucking cool. Like, just, like, looks cool. You're like, that's a cool person. Like, with the tattoos and the funky outfits and whatever, you're like, that person's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And then doing that, she looked, that her Hrana was fucking beautiful. The clothes on the Trish was yeah. bad. She was obviously trying very hard to, like, not hurt Trish. Mm-hmm. Um, like, to even call that a clothesline. They should have just been like, oh, but it was a slap, because, like, it was not great. But that her Hrana on Edge was fucking beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was just so cool to see, and I didn't watch WCW, so I didn't really see like good and, and like. And China is such like a unique uh, presence, right? But Lita, though, man, I was like, just ah, still, I still get that feeling every time I see, when I like see this. Even watching it back now, I'll be like, that's so fucking cool. She's so fucking cool. Yeah, I, this this match in general, I I like I rated this match actually very high in my mind because. Well, it's weird because like it's it's four teams, and I only really like two of the teams, you know, as wrestlers. Like, too cool is kind of a joke, or they are a joke. But man, they're um, over. They're they are, but, and they're but, not, and they're good. They yeah, yeah, they're, they're goodish. Yeah, they're fine. They're, I mean, I they're not. I, Edge and Christian the Hearts are on a great. different level for sure, and even the, the yes. Dudleys are on that other level. I would say are on that higher level too. And I think, yes. like, X-Pac and Road Dog even a little over or over them. And same thing with and the APA. But they are they definitely would outrank Tess and Albert, but that's a low contest. Uh, but I think too right, cool, though, right. like, their gimmick is the fuck over. It's it's possibly one of, in the absence of Austin, second to maybe only The Rock? Like, one of the biggest, uh, yeah. like, pops of the night are, with, for, are for them. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. I think it's like... You know, it's a it's it's fun. You know what it is like. Too cool is like um is like a song of the summer team yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. They are they are like um like what is it? Uh, Pharrell's happy, where it's like you know at that moment you're like or, or um or Daft Punk's get lucky or whatever. Like everyone's like yeah this is great, and then you're like I don't know how you know how long can this keep up? Maybe uh, maybe not that long. There's definitely a ceiling to it, but when we think about kind of where the tag division started with with this remake here and and what we've been looking at, I would say that they're more talented than a lot of the tag teams that we've had. We've just at this point now are spoiled with um with having so many of the greatest tag teams of all time who are about to put on some of the greatest tag matches of all time like some of and my favorite matches full stop period yeah i i, I mean i totally i i agree with both of you i think to, eric to what you're saying like i don't really know how else to describe it other than like food but like they feel <laughs> a little bit like empty calories in a way where like edge and christian yes. and the hardys feel like a really like rich and complex sort of like meal uh, whereas too cool, also like good and satisfying though. But there's a reason why I think they're not Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't. Okay, uh, I I enjoy seeing too cool come into a ring. But am I ever going to, uh, you know, when when Slammy's time comes around, am I going to be like this too cool match was the you know this was a this was one of my you know top match of the year no right oh. like they're not going to do a top match oh you wouldn't make a sign that says scotty too hottie is too cool and laminate it and bring it to this wrestling show because <laughs> let me tell you someone did and to, to to first of all i mean 
girl, wear your Scotty to hottie fandom with pride. Like, don't let anybody st- tell you to put your light under a bushel. But sure, to think that 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 is the pun to make it's like that is the pun like what are you what sky to hottie is too cool that's just that's just a sentence like that's just yeah he is part of that team and the fact that he is too cool as in like he is in the state of being too cool is also the whole point (laughs) you know what i mean so like to put it on a sign is just like saying back to the writers like yep message received (laughs) like it's just very it just like to think that was clever like to put it on a sign that's what you put on a sign it would be like it would be like bringing a sign that says steve austin is stone cold (laughs) yeah exactly what the fuck it listen bobby it's massachusetts you can't you know (laughs) laminated wow Yeah, I was just like, I was like, man, everybody wants like Scotty Two Hotties dick. It was so weird to me. But I even like the order of elimination on here. Get Tess and Albert out of there first, Obvi. Yep. Then we get the Hardys out of there, and then this because this is really like the high point as far as too cool. This this title run right here. They yeah. don't have a, a lot left in it. But then we get uh, Christian's dance tantrum in the middle which is so good (laughs) good. and tries to do a fake worm but scotty comes in but in the end edge winds up pinning grandmaster sexy and the tag belts go back where they should be to allow for again some of the greatest tag matches of all time which are forthcoming so the whole thing with edge and christian now in the pose i don't think i talked about any of this yet uh, but they're like the writer now, you know, we're, we're way past Russo at this point, obviously by, I guess not quite a year, but we're three quarters of a year from since Russo's departure, but Brian Gortz, though, Edge and Christian are like a favorite, you know, of his. And so are, so is, uh, The Rock, obviously, and Kurt Angle. So the people that we're seeing pushed a little bit more now. Uh, but Edge and Christian had this reputation for being such like jokesters and funny guys, like off camera. But especially, like, Christian, when the camera was on, he, like, became, like, a caricature of a wrestler. And, like, was always, like, serious. And, like, so they, they were trying to find ways to bring, like, those senses of humor out of them more. And that's where these five-second poses kind of started from. Yeah, man, Christian got a lot funnier. He's, like, more interesting. And just something to uh, separate them from the pack. I think it's so good. So then we move into the semifinals mm-hmm. of the tournament. We've got Rikishi versus Val Venus. Um, get some really good psychology in this match with uh, Val working the arm that Chris Benoit injured earlier in the night. Yep. But Rikishi winds up hitting a belly to belly and getting the victory. And then Trish decides. It was, a, to quick, attack. it was a quick match, right? Yeah, quick match. And then Trish decides to attack for some reason. Yeah, Trish is pulling a lot of like like uh, double duty as um, the valet for a few different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I mean, she was out there for three matches, and she had like a role to play, and and you know, and and, and all of them. Man, Rikishi really has no luck with the post match beatdowns on this show. Well, it makes sense. Like it, later, like the booking all makes sense, which is actually mm-hmm. kind of nice. Like, you know, he's wrestling three matches in one night. And also, like, it'll save him a little bit later down the road. You know, it'll add a little mm-hmm. justification if he's unable to overcome all of these insurmountable odds. Yep. No, no argument with me there. 
and following this match, we get uh, what we talked about earlier with Briscoe and the coach and uh, talking about the emotion of revenge. And that's when we get the, uh, you want the regular panties or the crotchless panties? Fucking dumb. So stupid. Following this, we've got Crash versus Angle in here and a long discussion about glass slippers versus ruby slippers from the commentary. Yeah, it went to a very weird place. And I would think this is probably, I guess, like how into this pay-per-view. I'm trying to guess, gauge where the spliff was heading. But I was like, whoa. <laughs> what the fuck is anyone talking about? Because at first I was like, oh, Lawler is confused. Then I was like, no, Jarrah's confused. I was like, no, Lawler's confused. Where is Jarrah confused? <laughs> oh, am I confused? I was like, who said, what was the point originally? Like, <laughs> So I don't, even though all my notes are like, what is Cinderella about? Like, <laughs> was, they both, I don't understand how like Vince McMahon's in their ears like screaming like, just fucking drop it. Just move on. What the fuck? Wait, how did Judy Garland get involved? What the fuck? What are you talking about? And then it was a weird thing about manhood. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> then JR's like, I wasn't calling anyone gay. <laughs> and then, and is like, I didn't, think you are calling anyone gay i was like what (laughs) i mean it's it's lucky great it's unlucky for us that this is such a short match because if this was like like a 30 minute one who knows what kind of like lynchian depths we could have gotten with those two it went deep because right at one point they were like are you being homophobic and it's like no were you and it's like are we talking about shoes so confused i was i i i I mean again i was a little high but also it was crazy right yeah oh yeah okay i was like this is like a a, this stuck out like a very weird sore thumb and i was like this can't just be me yeah we got one more sore thumb coming after this match but we've got some good offense from crash but an olympic slam out of nowhere puts him down and angle gets the victory crashes cinderella story in this tournament is done at least (laughs) And or really, his Wizard of Oz has just begun. I was gonna say, I'm just proud that he's coming out. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, following this match, we go to scenes from a house show at Madison Square Garden that heavily feature the 45th president of the United States. What a fucking piece of shit! What a fucking piece of shit! And it's unbelievable to look at him even like twenty years ago, or whatever, and being like, "Wow, you were a piece of shit then too." You just been yeah, a piece he looked of awful. Shit. He looked fucking What'd awful you back fucking then. Claw your way out of your mom's twat. This awful. Fuck you! Just, what a piece of shit! I just like I just like oh, what a piece of fucking shit! I thought for some reason I'd be able to look at him and be like, in like the past, and be like, oh, he just wasn't always like an absolutely like disgusting, bloated unbelievable piece of shit but no he just has always been a piece of fucking shit sorry by the way i want to say i want to say that uh i was waiting for him to have like a word for word response that was basically like like arnold like when he was doing the end of days like it came close right because his favorite wrestler is the rock but he didn't talk about how sexy the rock is he just like you know he just Picked the you know the front runner, same as Arnold. They're they're cut from the same cloth, man. Let me tell you, as much as we complain, it's easier to go back and watch old Chris Benoit. Eh. <laughs> I'll leave, I'll oh, leave wow. it at that. Yeah, 
maybe it's just that maybe it's just time more time between is what it is is the difference mm-hmm. but oh boy the distance was not enough for this when this cropped up and i had known it i knew it was coming too from like reading some stuff ahead online um but still fuck that guy what a fucking i just i i i guess for some reason i was like i don't know maybe it'd be uh, there was like a transformation point that was like, yeah. Then he all turned to that one white house correspondence dinner with Obama. And that's where it all changed. It's like, Oh no, 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 just a piece of shit. For, he was born I mean, a I knew he was a shit. piece of shit always, but I mean, like, I don't, I, I guess uh, even from apprentice, like just like, well, he must've at least been able to put together like a coherent sentence. And it's like, Oh no, he couldn't. No, ever. no, just what a fucking, the, the apprentice was fun to watch because he was so bad at that too. Like it was like he it was like him pretending that he was a good businessman. I mean, look, that's how at least I watched it when I, I watched it. I was I, like, I watched a lot of that show because I used to recap it, and I for the Houston Chronicle. So I was like watching. I would like watch every single night, and they would have like four hour episode, literal four yes, hour yeah. episodes, and you're like, this is obscene. How dare you? <laughs> And like every time, like it was, he would team up with some existing business. He would just he. It was like the the the. Uh, it was all Dave Navarro presenting the Flash Challenge uh, in Ink Master. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these guys are making some of the best pizza out there. You know I like it. And it's like no, you don't. <laughs> we know we know you don't like anything. You don't God. feel any joy. Oh, it's just been so long since I had to like see him and hate him that much and. It just, oof, boy, yeah, it really brought me back. Really brought me back. Guys, make sure you vote. It's really important you vote. Vote blue. <laughs> After this, we saw interviews with Kane and the Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker has dropped his purity of evil to be like a, a gruff good old boy. Um. Okay, well, so first, also, Kane talks again mm-hmm. like he's... Now he doesn't even like he literally got his trachea replaced. Yeah, no, Kane's Kane's like gaslighting us into No, no, I could always talk. There was never a time where I had a machine do my talking for me. <laughs> what do you mean? Um and then Taker my thing about Taker is very it's it's very funny. He's really stuck on the idea of brain surgeons. Like, he talks about how something isn't brain surgery, and then he says the game isn't a brain surgeon. And I'm like, okay, well, if it's not brain surgery and he's not a brain surgeon, I think then everyone's fine, right? We're all (laughs) properly qualified for what we're about to do. Are we not? And nobody's properly equipped for what's about to come. First, we get... F.com relaunch? Oh, sorry. Did we miss that already? (laughs) First, we get an incredibly long recap package for the Hardcore Championship evening gown match that we are about to get tonight, which actually, like, the story starts out good. Um, I liked Briscoe with the Hardcore Championship. I like Patterson helping him to win and then luring him to the back and cracking him over the head with a bottle of champagne and taking the, the title for himself. Like, I think that that's all good. I don't really know why it had to go to where it did i don't know why there was a slow-mo pat patterson and tidy whiteys with his dick and balls just like bouncing all over the place yeah i think it's funny that um that vince mcmahon is just walking around in elbow pads all the time now (laughs) (laughs) it it reminds me of like (laughs) it reminds me of 
His family it, is... it reminds me of the, of the last days of Andy Kaufman, where they're like, we could tell under his uh, under his clothes he was still wearing the wrestling onesie. His family's afraid that he's going to injure himself if he has another one of his episodes. It's an it could be a full moon. Yeah. <laughs> Linda, Linda, who's Linda? My wife, mom. We're talking about mom. And so, uh. Respect for Briscoe for walking out in heels. Um, but Patterson definitely looks like your mom's friend Cheryl, who loves her Sharpay and thinks that loving wine is part of a personality. Yeah, she's definitely um, into QAnon conspiracy. She was with <laughs> <Yes>. us today. <laughs> yeah. And she's in an MLM for sure. Doesn't, yeah, uh, won't vax, won't wear a mask either. Neither of those things. But now we'll wear a mask because she's afraid that people with the vaccine are trying to pass something to her. Yeah, I'm giving her all my gay 5G. <laughs> so fuck this. Fuck everything about it, except for the fact that it actually gets crash over really well. And I, I want to say that this night might be the apex of Crash Holly's career. Um, crash has, some, has, okay, has at least a, another big storyline coming. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, but again, to be get that far in the King of the Ring tournament to kind of be a fan favorite oh, yeah. with everyone's behind it, and then to for everyone to be so excited when he ends this bullshit with a trash can. Yeah, I can see that. I don't even like what was the banana bit even. I guess how I like how bad are you that you can't that you can't uh, unwrap a banana <laughs> unwrap peel a banana Ooh, a banana wrapped for me <laughs> i get all my bananas gift wrapped anyone else have anything they want to say about this no nope, absolutely nope. not the awesome the, the better awesome so we go backstage where the dudleys have a literal table with tori's name on it it's really weird i like that I- I like that uh, Devon goes, forget about King of the Ring, like as if they were just talking about King of the Ring. Like, hey, well, what do you think about King of the Ring? It's like, forget about that. It's really weird in the build to this that that um, Vince McMahon thinks that adding Tori to the roster is going to be the thing that's going to uh, tip the scale to DX's favor. It's going to be a handicap match with Tori. Like, you could have added anyone you wanted to this. But okay, uh, I will. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a uh, not a devil. I'm gonna give a Vince's advocate on this. Mm-hmm. I actually think it is a a, a handicap, not because um, you know Tori is necessarily a you know a wrestler who will be able to you know impact the match as much, but you could argue that the fact that they have to do something to three people. Um, will you know like that? That basically like they mm-hmm. have to they have to do like uh, catch three people and put them through tables is almost puts them at a handicap. Whereas all you know, uh, like all DX, DX has, has to do, to do is, get, is get the two. And also we, yeah, exactly. we know also we know how focused Bubba Ray is on Tory, which can allow like kind of distract him as well. I get that, but to to. Say that Tori is is efficient at anything other than destroying your bathroom on demand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
almost too efficient at that, honestly. And we've talked. This is some of the best Tori, and I think the, the footage of her like putting Bubba through tables and stuff looks pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Like she looks pretty good flying through the air like that, and she looks like strong and could could get in there and 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 you know. Right, but the mechanics of that is always DX beats the shit out of Bubba, puts him on a table, yes. and then it's it's an, an insult to injury kind of situation yes. that it's Tori yes, is the yes, one yes, who's yes. in there. Uh, I think everyone will agree with me that this match should have been a tornado match from the beginning. Yeah. So does it make any sense to put tagging in this one? Yes. Be agreed. Um, I like that at one point uh, Lawler goes... I guarantee there is some strange stuff in the dumpster. And I'm like, oh, like a bunch of like crumpled up paper. Like (laughs) that. I I do find that strange. You're right. Like, what was he expecting us to think was in there? We've seen a dumpster now. Can we talk about the really gross part in this match? We sure can. Which one? Oh, the top, the, Oh, which gross part in this match? Yeah. Uh, so that now, but I, I know which one you mean. I'm guessing we're yeah. going with Devon's flying headbutts. Yes, uh, it's the flying headbutt, and and um, you know they build it up uh, well, right? Because it's like basically they're giving a flying headbutt to every single member of DX, just like mm-hmm. they did a three D to every single member of DX, mm-hmm. and uh, that was good. Uh, but before they set up t- uh, Tori. Um, Bubba Ray even has his tongue out, like licking the air above her vagina, and then Devon does the flying headbutt. And it's funny how he lingers there much longer than he does when he does the same thing to Road Dog or X Pac. Well, you see, what happened, Eric, is Tori's vagina is so wide that he actually got his head lodged in there. Oh no! I hate when that happens. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I think we've said before how this, this Dudley's level of violence against women, at least in this time, it it's with someone who is it very clearly within the, the heel role as opposed to Trish, who was kind of in some kind of like tweener level status here. But it doesn't make it much easier to watch. But the Dudleys are still the faces, and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, is this the first um is this the first occurrence of uh Devon get the table? I don't mm, I don't think so. I actually I I actually think that might even be a holdover from ECW. But I'm not don't quote me on that. I want to go back and check out some of their ECW shit. I would love to I I would love to watch some of the famous stuff with like um new jack and sabu and all those people it was only recently that i realized that uh weezer was referencing ecw in el scorcher yep. yes um so i like where the ref isn't there to verify that the the two are in the dumpster and i really really like where uh, Tori goes in the dumpster and then they kind of go in there after her and that it winds up being their downfall. I really like Road Dog going through two tables 
That was the sick. best use of Road Dog. Uh, that was really, best use of Road Dog. Good spot, man. He should always go through like just send him through eight tables. <laughs> like that's all I need from him now. Yeah, however many uh, pieces of ice the Karate Kid chopped in uh, in part two, that's how many tables he should go through. Yeah, instead of two tiers and a bucket, how about eight tables and you suck it? Hey, <laughs> love it, love it. Um, but in the so in the end, DX wins. But afterwards, they get Tori, and then DX takes a very long time getting back into the ring, which I didn't understand when they had her cornered. Yeah. But in the end, Tori goes through the table, even though she doesn't really go through the table. Bubba Ray takes all of it, but it doesn't make it any less gross and weird to me. Yeah, JR even says something about uh, needing to get Bubba Ray a cigarette. Oof, I hate that. So now we've got the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. First, Cole is with Angle and Rikishi backstage. Rikishi says, all the Wheaties in the world won't stop this ass from backing up. And I think that this is... is a pretty good King of the Ring finals. Maybe one of the better ones. I don't know. Uh, what was it? Rock and Shamrock is probably still the gold standard so far that we've seen. But this is a pretty good finals to the tournament. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yep. I it, Angles, it was good. I, I like the setup. Angles belly to belly there. It's not was definitely was not the cleanest thing in the world, but just the power that it must have taken to do that off of the ropes was really, really fucking cool to watch. Yeah. And so we've got the payoff from all the attacks that Rikishi had earlier. Angle winds up being able to win. And we have King Kurt Angle setting him up for his first WWF title shot at SummerSlam. Then we got news that USA Today says it's wrestling versus baseball. Wrestling wins for me. I picked my side a yeah. long time ago. <laughs> Man, Piazza, I forgot how funny looking Piazza looked. And so now the really weird, really dumb main event. We've got Vince and Shane coming out first, and then the WWF Championship coming out before the challengers. We've got Kane. We've got Undertaker, who, if you're watching this on Peacock, and how else are you going to be watching it? You will not be hearing the American Badass theme. You're going to be hearing You're Going to Pay, which is going to be uh, a later theme of his from when his big evil period. That's what that is, where he goes, dead men walking. I want to know how they were able to lift the audio, like the commentary tracks on here without um, with putting the new music on top. Like there's some impressive audio design that's going on in here in order to uh, to take out that copyrighted material. I would I would bet. Well, I mean, 
I, well, I will. I would bet that they probably planned ahead of time for a lot of this because they seem to lose the the rights pretty quickly to their music. <laughs> I would not be surprised if they were like, put this on a separate truck, and then like they just fucking like they can slide anything they want in as much as they want. I could see maybe the commentary track already always being separate and layering that over a replay of the song with. But the crowd, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the crowd noise is from another crowd. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Because they already fuck with that shit as it is. Mm-hmm. Word, most definitely. And then The Rock comes out to a huge pop. I think um, that they're... Okay, so... Oh, I wanted to talk about um, about Triple H's entrance for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Um, So... Triple H has been doing the entrance where, you know, he just looks like this, like uh this carved marble god who you know arrives and it's really really cool like he stands there in all of his glory and you just see he's just so intense and then he pulls out like a Poland spring bottle and it 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 some of something about it like takes the it, it kind of like takes a bit of the illusion away for me i feel like he needs to borrow the goblet from uh <laughs> What's his face? Oh my god! What From Gangrel. Gangrel, yeah, Gangrel, Gangrel, get Gangrel's goblet. Get rid of the blood. Wash it, it out. Okay, you it can rinse. use water. He, it's gonna need to yeah. soak for a few days, right? But like, uh, the, I don't know. That stupid water bottle. Just, yeah. it's just like, come on, man. This is dumb. And and even the, like the spitting is cool and everything. But I agree with like, there's nothing like seeing Aquafina <laughs> plastered on the side when you're trying to be a badass. Nestle yeah. Water. Also, yeah. do do you think when when uh, Triple H comes, it's it comes out in spray? <laughs> it's just like <laughs> like it's a Ew. misting. Gross. It's like the spawning of salmon. Ugh. <laughs> First of all, I hate salmon, and it always disgusts me to think about them reproducing. <laughs> um. There is a really, really good story that can be done in this match. They just decided to tell a really, really dumb and awkward one here. And I just don't get it. Like, I feel like all the pieces were here, but we didn't get enough infighting, I think, between The Rock, Kane, and The Undertaker. We didn't get any real, like, planning. Like, they put Shane McMahon in the ring first. Yeah, that makes no sense. What? What are the rules? What are the, the rules of this match? The rules are if if um Vince Shane or Triple H get the pin, then Triple H retains the WWF championship. If The Rock, Undertaker, or Kane pin any member of the other team, then whoever does the pinning will become the champion. Then why would they be like a uh, a a tag team? Why would that even? Why wouldn't this just be like a fatal four way plus two? So this started as as a six man tag ma- match just because the there was bad blood after um after Judgment Day and what happened there. 
Um, but Linda McMahon winds up goading Vince to the point where he puts the WWF championship on here. This is the, the, why they're throughout the night. They're like, don't lose your cool. You, you do stupid things when you lose your cool, which again, I think that that's like a pretty good story and a pretty good note for, for Vince McMahon. But again, like there are points where, where I would say rock is going for the pin and undertaker is just hanging out on the apron where he would be getting in and breaking up that pin. Yes, that's exactly my, my that's my point. Is like, you know, when Kane turns and it's a and it's a big twist. Like, why wouldn't Kane have done that from the beginning? And why is Undertaker like pulling away on a motorcycle, going, "You owe me"? No, you have to get that right then. Like, you Rock doesn't owe you shit. And why aren't you like going for it? Exactly. And and within the the like the world of this match, so the the point is then that they are confined by the rules of a tag team match and only the one who is tagged in is able to do it. But by the end, Earl is just counting for whoever the fuck is on top of anyone at any point. It doesn't matter. It it be, it's one of these that becomes a tornado tag where I think the the rules of the tag team match are very very important co- constraints in order for the fiction of this story to work. Like was Vince even the legal man at the end? I think Vince was, but was Rock, I think, was maybe the, the piece that I was confused on. There definitely was one of them that I was not convinced was legal. I don't know. It's just, it's it's something that I think that has, has a lot of promise, but that really should have taken a little bit more time sketching out exactly how it worked in here. One thing I will say that definitely worked was Shane from the top turnbuckle getting the airplane ride from uh, the Undertaker through the announce table. That was dope. That was a really good yes. spot. Yeah. But other than that, I, I mean, for what was a pretty good pay-per-view, this was just kind of a mess that left me kind of eh at the end. Yeah, real dumb ending. I don't like it. Um, I thought it was very funny, though, when um, Undertaker goes... Hello, Mr. Turnbuckle. Uh, yes. Which, by the way, John Turnbuckle was Garfield's <laughs> previous owner. Um, Please, Mr. Turnbuckle is my father. <laughs> yeah, it, it it made no sense. I was uh, I was not. I was just like, I'm glad this is only 20 minutes. This shit sucks. Right there with you. Agreed. Sorry we got to leave on that note, but we got a little bit more business to do. For years, WWE hosted a yearly awards show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammys in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to go with the Real Hindenburg Story Award for whoever the guy was in the audience who had the laser pointer and pointed it on Rikishi's ass during that first match. It's funny. Yep. It's ha. always funny. And I loved it. I'm going to give my, am I the 12th caller award to the guy that yelled, I want to see some TNA when Tess Alvarez oh. and Trish walked down the aisle. And as if it was like, <laughs> he was trying to win a contest. It reminded me of like, KBBL is my home for my favorite songs. You know what I mean? Like, say the phrase. KC101 has the most music and Glenn and Pat in the morning. Now give me my money. 
yeah. <laughs> I want to see some TNA. And I was like, gross. Aren't you embarrassed? WTNA. I, I, I wrote that down. I was like, you know what? It's so stupid that I'm going to ask who who shouted this out. So I'm glad you called, you covered it. Yeah, for sure. Not letting that one slip by me. Uh, okay, mine is... Um, for the benefit of those with Flash Photography Award to uh, Edge for flashing us with his ass crack for I don't know, the last five minutes of the ma- of the match. Yeah, I like that. I like that uh, ass out, don't care kind of attitude. You like that story note? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Good booking. <laughs> All right. Love us. Disagree. Want to make us lose our cool? Let us know. Email us at HelenaCellPhone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at HelenaCellPod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at SlowPass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Midst by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yabney. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with another episode next week and join us again soon for Fully Loaded 2000. Meanwhile, in Boston, Massachusetts, Rikishi and Kurt Angle squared off in the finals of King of the Ring. Meanwhile, in Boston, Massachusetts, Rikishi and Kurt Angle squared off in the finals of King of the Ring. Did I say it right? I can't even tell anymore. You did not. (laughs) (laughs) Massachusetts. There you go. Is that correct? Yes. That time was good. The other time, you're giving me Cheez-Its, like Cheez-Its in the past yep. tense? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's just how I say it, how I've always said it. <laughs> Have many family members there, 